Well, good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. And uh, at about four hours from now, I'm going to be out at Camp Koinonia, and uh, where, where I direct a week of camp for junior campers, which are fourth through sixth graders. And so with that in mind, I'll say good evening to all of those tonight at third service who will be watching on video. So hello to you guys as well. Good morning to all of you who are here uh, this morning. I have a little bit of a, uh, of, of a of one of those moments that you just wish you could take back. Uh, it just happened to me just a couple minutes ago. Maybe you've done this before. I never have. I will... Passing the communion tray, deep in contemplative thought, grabbed my cup and drank it, and it was empty. <laughs> a little grossed out right now, to be honest. Um, not, always, not been a fan of the one cup communion thing, and I got to experience it this, this morning. They tried to warn me, but I wasn't listening. All right. So with that in mind, I have to get my thoughts recollected. Well, today we're going to be continuing on with our sermon series, looking at some of the uh, 316 passages of of the Bible, passages that appear in the 16th verse of the the third chapter of their respective books. And today we're going to discuss the most famous of the 316s, which is what? John 3.16, yes, John 3.16, kind of the original inspiration of this sermon series. Um, How many of you uh, have a mental image of John 3.16? I I know I do. I want you to think about it for a second and see if it matches my mental picture. Let's see here. Does you, Anybody? Yeah, that's right. Did anybody picture, did, you know, when you think John 3.16, does that come to mind? That, that comes to my mind, maybe because I'm a, I'm a big fan of athletics and stuff, but my whole life, actually, and when I think of John 3.16, I think of the John 3.16 banner. Now, I was taught the, the, the verse as a child, but, but that banner is kind of synonymous with John 3.16. You know, actually, uh, that banner started uh, many years ago in the, in the late 70s, actually 1980 is when when the first John 3.16 banner at a sporting event took place. And I have another picture of the actual guy who started it. This is at a, uh, must be a Kansas City Royals game, maybe a Reds. Uh, Kansas City, uh, uh, that was a World Series, wasn't it? Reds and, uh, and uh, Royals back in 1980. Anyways, you can see the, the, uh, the picture in the background. Uh, that, that picture is uh, the sign. You can't really see him very well, but the gentleman who's holding that it was named Roland Stewart, and this is Roland right here. Um, now, this is a few years later. Uh, uh, Roland actually has a really interesting story. He's called the Rainbow Man, Rainbow Man, and, and he, um, in, the, in the late 70s, would show up to sporting events, and he would have this rainbow wig on, and he had this big beard. That's a really tame beard. Sometimes it was all the way down to, like, his belly button. And he would, he would just dance around and, and do crazy antics to get on TV. And he did that for several years. And, and in 1980, um, after a Super Bowl, uh, he actually was in his hotel room after the Super Bowl game where he had done this, and he turned the television on, and there was a televangelist, and his name was Charles R. Taylor, and he was giving a gospel presentation on TV, and, and Roland Stewart, the banner rainbow man, banner man, um, 
he believed in Jesus because of that testimony of that that televangelist. He became a self-proclaimed born-again Christian. And so shortly after that conversion experience, he came up with the idea of adding John 3.16 to his little shtick, right, to his repertoire of things. And so instead of just dancing around with his wig, he danced around with his wig, his beard, and a sign of John 3.16 or a t-shirt marked with it. And he would, he would go all over the world, actually, to different sporting events. And he, would, he appeared at things like the Summer Olympics, and he went to a World Cup. I'm not sure, what, was there, is that a sport? It's actually a sport. Uh, well, anyways, uh, uh, the NFL playoff games, the World Series. He went to the, the Indy 500. He, he went to horse races, and he actually even was at the wedding of Prince Charles and Lady Diana and doing his little thing of, of proclaiming John 3.16 to the world. Uh, he claimed that he drove over 60,000 miles a year to attend various sporting events uh, to, to uh, proclaim this message, God's love. Well, Roland became such a well-known personality that there was even a caricature of him on The Simpsons. Not proclaiming, not, not telling you to go watch The Simpsons, but actually you can find him here in one of their episodes where, where they were you know, kind of paying tribute to his zeal for presenting this message of, of John 3.16. Now, on the surface, and you know, maybe at the beginning stages of this personal crusade of his, we, we can see a guy here that, you know... We can, we can appreciate maybe his enthusiasm, right? We can appreciate his dedication to spreading the message of, of John 3.16. We'll get to it in just a little bit. But, but there was something maybe about his methods that didn't suit us right, right? Some of us. Uh, you know, but in the case of, of, <coughs> of Roland Stewart, there was a problem. There was a problem here. Uh, by the 1980s, he was experiencing some difficulties in life. He was homeless. He was living in his car. Um, his wife and one-time partner in crime, who, was, uh, who would hold half of the sign, had divorced him because he abused her after she tilted the sign. Right? So she didn't, her zeal for this didn't quite meet his, and he took it out on her. Well, finally, in September of 1992, Roland Stewart went over the edge. He locked himself in a hotel room in Los Angeles at the Hyatt, Hyatt Hotel, and he... Uh, he made threats that he was going to shoot down the airplanes flying in and out of LAX, which was just across the street. Uh, he took one of the hotel maids hostage, and he plastered Bible verses on the windows of his hotel room, and ultimately SWAT were able to enter the facility, uh, rescue the maid, and took him into custody, where he, he has been under, uh, under supervision for the rest of his days, really, since that day. Uh, Roland Stewart is now uh, 72 years old, and he is serving out three life terms for kidnapping um, and other things uh, because of that, uh, that experience. He also let off some stink bombs and, and some uh, almost uh, domestic terrorism-type things. See, and then and, and he, he's up for parole, and he's consistently denied parole, thankfully. Well, see, the problem here is that uh, Roland Stewart or the rainbow man, he began to love the, the attention, or maybe he did from the beginning, but he loved the attention. Uh, he loved the spotlight more than he actually loved the message that he was trying to convey. 
And, and that's what we got to be careful of today. Even as we share in this verse, John 3.16, um, the favorite verse of, of many, many people, a verse that probably was one of the very first verses that we memorized, verse that, that's familiar to people even outside the walls of the church, right? to those who don't, aren't Christ followers, still uh, can recognize John 3.16. And it's easy for a verse like that to just become, just become part of uh, the things that we say. Right? become just uh, kind of a, a meaningless effort when we recite those words because we just know them so well. They're just so comfortable that they begin to lose their meaning. And I think that's what happened to this man. So this morning, let's take uh, a lesson from Roland. And when we say these words in just a minute, let's say them with meaning, right? with power and authority that they convey. Let's say it together, if you would. This morning, we're going to read John 3.16, and we're going to read it from the New American Standard Version. So if you memorized it in a little different way, I put it up here on the the screen so we can all say the same words. Uh, Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And is that the version? Anyone memorize it in that version? Yep, uh, maybe you memorized it in the King James or the NIV, and I'm sure that those words in that original uh, form that you, you memorized didn't mean the most to you. <clears throat> but it's one of those verses that it kind of has its own cadence even, doesn't it? And you remember it in that certain pattern. And so it's a deep, amazing verse. And so this morning I want to break it down for us just a little bit so that we can kind of refresh its true meaning inside of our, our hearts this morning. It starts off with the words, for God so loved the world. Uh, I, I, again, I, I, I read this verse and I've said it in my brain so many times that sometimes you, you can, it just becomes like one word, right? It's just, it's just the whole package kind of goes together. So breaking it down this morning is important for us. For God so loved the world. What does that mean? That's such a weird way to say it. You know, have you thought about that? For I so loved my pizza that I ordered two of them, right? We don't talk like that, right? We don't say it that way. And, you know, the message translation, I liked how it said it. I, I was read, it, read it in several different versions this week. It says, it, it says that this is how much God loved the world, right? It's setting it up. It's, it's setting up the rest of the verse. Uh, this is how much God loved the world. In, 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 in the uninspired Brian version, it would go something like this. God loved the world so much Do you get that? God loved the world so much. How much? So much. Right? I I say that to my wife quite frequently. I say, do you know how much I love you? And she goes, how much? So much. And with lots of dramatic things like that added to to add some flair, right? I love you so much. How much? So much. What does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. There's too many. It means more than I can even begin to express. <clears throat> and that's, that's what we see here. God loved the world so much. How much? So much. Right? He loved the world. Right? Now, I want to take a little side uh, trail on this for just a second. God loved the world so much. But there's kind of a problem here because we find some other verses in Scripture that say something maybe that sounds a little bit different. Right in First John chapter two, we find the words that say, "Love not the world." But wait a second, God, you you love the world. Aren't we to love what you love and hate what you hate? Aren't we supposed to? Aren't we supposed to love the world? You loved it so much. What about us? Well, 
And, and as you read this week, I want to encourage you to read the whole book, or not the book, the whole chapter of John chapter 3. You'll see that this passage in John 3.16, <clears throat> this idea of God's love for the world, comes in, in, in a context, right? We have to understand context when we read God's word. In context, it's saying that God so loved the world, and just a little bit later it says, uh, in spite of men loving the darkness, right? He loves, he loves the world in spite of of the fact that the world doesn't love him, it loves darkness. And it says he comes as a light to the world. But, the, but the, we want to stay in this darkness. right? So we have to understand <coughs> that it isn't the darkness that God loves. He hates that. right? But it's the people within the darkness that he loves. In the scripture, the word world can refer to the people, or it can, re- it can refer to the things that the people love in this world. right? The... the, the uh, the desires of our heart, the actions of our hands, right? Our thought processes. And that's not what God's saying that we love or that he loves. He's saying, I love the people of this world so much, right? And we know that story firsthand. Each and every single one of us has been lost in our sin. We have been lovers of the dark. And it was while we were in that moment that God gave us his love. I remind you of that week in and week out, right? That while we were still sinners, while we were still lovers of the world, involved in the world, part of the world, stuck in the world, stuck in our sin, what did God do for us? He sent His Son to die for us. right? And it was in that moment where we experienced the love of our Savior. See, we are to love the people of this world, not the patterns of this world. right? Not the desires, the pursuits of this world. Not the darkness, but the men and the women who reside within it. God loved that world so much. So much. How much? Well, that's answered in that so much. Thank you. It's answered in that next. How much is that so much? Well, the second part of our verse says it. It says, He loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave the most important part of Himself. Right? The most beloved part of Himself He gave to us. He, he loved the world so much that he did something about it. He, he knew that there was a problem, right? He went to the extreme to solve this problem. And he gave his only son. Well, why did he do that? Why did he go that route? Now, if you don't know the whole story, if you haven't heard the gospel message, then maybe it doesn't really make sense. Why would he send his son <coughs> into a world that was just going to kill him, right? Well, that's part of the, the beauty of this picture. We know from Scripture, in verses like Romans chapter 3, verse 23, that every single person in this room, every single person who draws breath, whoever has taken a breath, whoever will take a breath, has a problem in their life. They have a problem with sin. And when sin was introduced to this world, it messed things up. And that's going to be the message tonight when I share with the kids at Bonfire. Sin has messed this world up. Right? It just has. It's messed you up. It's messed me up. And Jesus came to clean that problem, right? To clean up that mess. In Romans chapter 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? In Romans 6, 23, another one we read quite frequently when sharing the gospel message, we know that the consequences of sin, it says for the wages of sin, the consequences of our sin is death. Right? So there was a problem. There was an issue in this world. And it's been around since the time of Adam and Eve. And the prophet Isaiah mentioned it in Isaiah 59, 
verse 2. He said, but your iniquities, another word for sin, you're, you're being messed up, have made, you separa- have, me- have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your sin created a, a barrier in between you and God that broke down a relationship. But God loved the world so much that he desired to break down that separation, so he gave his only son. That's what he did about it. That's the incredible amount of love that he has poured out upon us. He extended the olive branch to us, right? He's given us the peace offering. And we're the ones who created the problem in the first place, right? We're the ones who messed up. He didn't mess up. We messed up. And yet he's the one extending the, the peace treaty, right? That's, that's amazing to me. It's like being invaded by a, a, one country, being invaded by another, and saying, okay, we forgive you. Let's make peace, right? We're not going to fight back. We're just, we'll, I'll forgive you. It just doesn't make sense sometimes, right? But that's the amount of, God, of love that God had for us. He didn't wait for us to take that first step. He took it for us. So now at this point of the verse... And understanding why God would have given his son, right? To help make peace between us and him. We, we have a choice to make. We're at a crossroads, so to speak. Uh, which direction will you go? Now you know God loved the world so much. And you know that he gave his son to be a reconciliation between you and, you and him. Between I, I and him. Do you believe this to be true? Right? Do you accept the olive branch that God has extended? Uh, or, or do you reject it? Do you dismiss this as just a made-up bunch of stories and, and mythology? You know, if you reject this message of God's love and the amazing amount that he's poured out upon us, if you reject that message, then <clears throat> the rest of what I'm going to talk about this morning and the rest of what we do in this service is pretty much meaningless. Right? And what we're doing here today is just a, kind of a waste of time. But if you accept it to be true, or you at least consider the possibility that God could love you so much that to take care of the sin in your life, he sent his son, if you believe in God and his amazing love for you, then the next part of this verse is extremely, extremely important. It says this, that whoever believes in him, that whoever believes in him, And I want you to think about that. We'll get to the consequence or the result of that belief in just a minute. But it says that whoever believes in him, who is whoever, definitely we are, everyone, right? Just like we mentioned just a a bit ago, he says he loved the world so much. And who is that world? It isn't just you and I. It's not just his Christ, his followers, right? Christ followers. It's not just the people who, who claim to believe in him. No, he, he loved everybody so much. All of us stuck in our sin. Those who will never believe in him, he still loved them. He still loved them enough to send his son. All of mankind is included in that story. And whoever believes in him, regardless of who they are, good or bad, man or wo- woman, poor or rich, Fat or skinny, thank goodness. Short or tall, young or old, handsome or ugly, bearded or naked-faced. It doesn't matter, right? Whoever 
means whoever comes to a faith in Jesus, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, get an amazing blessing. And what is that blessing? It says they will not perish. Right? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, it says these words. It says, do not be afraid. This is Jesus speaking. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, the, the point of this verse is, is to make sure we understand who has authority in this life and the next. Right? That's Jesus. But it tells us don't be afraid of those around us who might be able to do away with our earthly body. Right? Because they have no authority over you. They have no control over your eternal destiny. Right? There is one who does. And he's the one who died for you. Right? He's the one who gave up his rights, his privileges, his power, his authority, and he made himself nothing, and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. From Philippians chapter 2. That's the one who loves you. That's the one who's given his own life for you so that you don't have to die eternally. Right? I mean, we know it's eternally. Why do we know that he's talking about an eternal death here? Because of the next benefit. We will not perish, but we will have eternal life. We will not eternally perish, but we will have eternal life. Right? Our belief in God, our belief in the act of his sending his son to this world, our belief in Jesus himself has consequences, and they are great consequences. Right? They are great consequences. In John chapter 3, verse 17, that next verse says, For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Saved from what? From eternal death. You understand that? This eternal life that is offered by our Heavenly Father is a very big deal. Right? It's a very big deal. It's why Jesus came. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I come, I came, that they may have life. Right? They may have life and have it abundantly. And he's not just talking about this life we get to experience walking around these buildings, sleeping and working and with our family. He's talking about the fullness of life for eternity ahead of us. Romans 6 23, we, I mentioned it earlier, the wages, the consequences of sin is death, but what's the second part of that, that verse tell us? But the gift of God, and what was his gift? He gave us his son, he loved us so much that he gave us his son, and in the process, that gift included eternal life, for the gift of God is eternal life, where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. God loved you so much. He loved you so much that he was willing to give the dearest, deepest, closest part of himself for you so that you could be part of his family forever. And that's amazing news. Say it with me again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So let's think about this this morning again. In light of the full meaning of God's love for you, the sacrifice he gave by gifting us his son and eternal life and rescuing us from eternal death. Let's think about that for a moment. 
in light of that content, what does that message mean to you today? Is that something that you hold on to as the hope in your life? Is it the, the greatest story that you could ever hope to tell? You know, yesterday, I laid to rest my, my great uncle Dick. And I had to do this ceremony, and it was, it, it was difficult right, to, 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 to lay someone to rest, right? to, to pass on um, you know, their, their, their memories now. But you know what? We hold on to that mem- those memories, right? We hold on to them because they give us, they give us reassurance, right? They give us hope. They, they, it means something to us to share those stories. When we share those stories, it's like Michael Dick is sitting in the room with us one more time. Right? So I encourage my family, tell the stories, laugh and cry and experience it because it's so rich in meaning, right? And those stories they told were, were, were amazing yesterday. What does your story include? Does it include John 3.16? When you sit around thinking about the great moments of your life, does the fact that God gave his son for you because of his deep love for you, does that enter into the picture? Is that your great story? What does the message mean to you? What does it inspire within you? What does it motivate you to do? Because if that verse isn't motivating you to do something, then I don't know that you've understood it quite enough. What is it motivating you to do? What is it inspiring you to do? For Roland Stewart, Rainbow Man, Banner Man, it motivated him for a while to try to share that message with the world. No matter what he ended up like, it motivated him. Until he went off the deep end. But he tried to do something about that message. What are you willing to do with the message of God's love? How much do you love the world? Not the ways of the world. Not the pursuits of this world. The darkness of this world. But the people within it. The people that, that haven't heard this message. That when they see that sign at a football game, it means nothing to them. And they think, man, can they just put the camera back on the action? I don't want to see that stupid banner again. Right? God loved that world so much. He gave his son. How much do you love them? How much are you willing to love your neighbor? How will you be a good neighbor? You know, in the next couple of weeks, we have an opportunity. And I'm going to use my sermon as a little bit of an advertisement as well. But we have an opportunity to love our town, to love Lebanon. You know, and out there in the, at the entryway to the lobby this morning, we have some backpacks. We have 50 backpacks. And we would like to invite you to consider taking one of those backpacks and filling it with school supplies. And we have a, we have a little uh, card out there that uh, looks like this. Looks like this right here. Maybe not all crumpled up, but it includes the things that need to be the essentials that need to be in that backpack. And there are some certain things that the school district doesn't get donated very much. And that's these things on this list. They get crayons, they get scissors, they get glue, but there are certain things that just don't get included. And that's what's right here. Now, when you take a backpack, you can put in scissors and glue and crayons. That's cool. But these are the things that we need to have in those. And this right here, this, this little uh, representation... This little backpack, these school supplies, they represent how much God loves this world. If God God loved the world so much that he was willing to give his son, are we willing to love our community enough to donate a backpack filled with school supplies to care for the kids of our community? Those kids that don't have 
the money necessary. Our school district, if I remember right, each year has about 100 kids within it that are homeless. Okay, do you understand that? 100 kids within our school district each and every year that are homeless. That couch surf, they call it. That just find a place to stay where they can or they live in the car with their parents. That's, that's tragic. And God loves them deeply. We should love them deeply. We have an opportunity this coming Saturday to wash cars. Right? Just in the name of Jesus. Just to say, we don't want to charge you money. We're going to give you a dollar, right? We're in our dollar car wash. We're going to give a dollar. Thank you for being a part of this community. We love this community. God so loved the world so much that he gave his son to die for us. We'll give you a dollar and say thank you for letting us serve you today. And we need help with that. And I'd encourage you, if you have any questions on those things, if you're willing to come down next Saturday from 10 to 2, right across the street here, and help wash cars for us, please talk to me. We could use your help. Because those things may seem silly. You know, we're not going to, we might not necessarily ever have the opportunity to see one of those kids and to care for them in person. But what did we do? We demonstrated God's love to that school district. Right? And word will spread. We're not going to pat ourselves on the back, but word will spread. And we will direct all the attention back to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to have conversations over there. We're not going to be in people's face. But we will have conversations over there with people who say, Why on earth would you give me a dollar for washing my car? Because Jesus loves you. And we love you too. And he was willing to die for you. And I'm willing to wash your car. You know what? That's what we're talking about. That's just the tip of the iceberg. How much do we love? How much do we care? Hopefully it's so much. Let's pray. Father, we're very grateful that we have the opportunity to be here today. We thank you, Father, that we have a chance to come and to worship you together as your family. We get, Father, to experience what it's like to be a family of God, to see the ones we care about and and the people we worship with and the people we we study your word with and our home groups with and and God we just we appreciate that so much that you've given us kind of a support system that continues to remind us and show us how much you love us and father we're grateful this morning that we get to lift up the name of Jesus the one who allowed himself to be crucified in our place it was for my sins that he died It was because of me he was on that cross. And I don't have to go there. And because of that, you promised that if I believe in you, that I can be with you forever. What an amazing, amazing amount of grace that you gave to each and every one of us here today. And so, Father, we want to live as people who placed our faith and our belief in you, who go out there and don't love the ways of the world, but love the people within it. And we will love them directly to you. And so, Father, that's our request this morning. In your precious son's name I pray. Amen.